The Fringe, only on Late Nights on Cape Talk. Next up on Late Nights, we're asking, does prison work? South Africa continues to have some of the highest crime rates in the world, but with more than 300,000 inmates leaving prison each year, is enough being done to ensure they don't return? Joining me first tonight is the Western Cape Regional Commissioner for the Department of Correctional Services, Delekile Klaas. Plus, in a few minutes, we'll meet the former Polesmoor prison inmate who's trying to reduce recidivism rates in Hanover Park. Uh, thanks so much for joining us on the line this morning. And I have to start by asking, and we're talking about uh, specifically, does prison work? Um, and that's a very, it's a very broad question, uh, of course. But, but in your experience, are we doing enough? Is the Department of Correctional Services doing enough to ensure uh, that it keeps re-offending rates to a minimum? Yes, I would say we are doing quite a number of things to try and reduce the level of re-offending. Maybe let me start by saying that the main role of the Department of Correctional Services or mandate, it's twofold. One is to make sure that uh, all convicted people are kept safe in our correctional facilities, but two is to rehabilitate them, try to change them to be better people. Now, in carrying out this second mandate, we have various kinds of facilities and we do various kinds of programs that uh, I will talk to later on. And there are quite a number of success stories emerging from those programs that one can also talk about. Yes, there are instances where we are not succeeding as we would want to and I'm convinced that we can still do far better, but I think we are doing fairly well in terms of our rehabilitation programs. Can you give us any idea as to uh, current reoffending rates in the country? Do we know what they are? We, we do not have any reliable statistic at this stage that we can disclose. Safe to say that uh, what we are picking up is that most offenders who are sentenced to short-term imprisonment two years and below the height, the rate of of repeat offending amongst them is high compared to those who are sentenced to long-term imprisonment. Those who are sentenced to long-term imprisonment, that gives us more time to work with them, to take them through our programs, which results in us being able to change their behaviors. You you mentioned there in the beginning, and you spoke about enabling people or helping people, uh, inmates uh, or, uh, and prisoners, to become better people. There would be an argument that says it's not about making people better people, but creating be- better circumstances for people uh, that they don't go into a life of crime. Yes. Yes, look, you have... What we believe is that... Uh, you need to, most of our offenders are not properly skilled, are not properly educated, which results in them sometimes doing, I'm not saying all crime is caused because people are not unemployed and not educated. But most of the time, we take offenders through skills training, be it uh, farming, be it carpentry, building, and various other skills that I can elaborate on. 
Now, what we are trying to say to them is that you can still make money through using your hands and your minds rather than making money through crime. And as I say that, some of them come into a facility not being able to sing. They leave our facilities and join established music bands, establish their own bands and so on. Some come into our facility not being able to build, not knowing that they can do anything with their hands, thinking that they are useless. But by the time they leave our facility, they have better skill, which enable them to be, be better people in society and contribute positively to society. So I think that's the point I was trying to make when I was saying that part of what we are trying to do is is, is not only to skill them, but, but also to mentally change them, make them have confidence in themselves. Because some of them is low self-esteem, low confidence, which results in them dropping out. Most of them would be school dropouts who think that there is nothing they can do in society except to commit crime. And, and are these the key reasons that we see for recidivism rates in South Africa? Yes, that's why I'm saying that uh, most of the long-term offenders, because we have more time with them, we take them through various programs. In, in that category, your recidivism rate is not that high. But uh, among the short-timers, because they don't spend more time, or, or we don't have programs as of now tailor-made for offenders who are sentenced to 24 months and below. So those ones, there are no programs that we do that results in this problem. So that's why currently we're looking at that issue to see whether we have enough resources that enable us also to do programs for short-term offenders. There will be people uh, who say that the situation in prison is is not tough enough and that that could be the reason why uh, we see such high rates of or in in some in some category of prisoner why we see such high rates of uh, of reoffending that simply for for some people there is no difference between a life of crime on the streets and a life of crime that continues in in prison for example no it's not necessarily true um look our, our facilities Maybe let me first start by saying that just being in prison in itself curtails rights of people. You can ask any prisoner. Nobody wants to be locked in the evening in a cell. You open in the morning. Any other thing that happens in that facility, your life is controlled. People want some degree of independence in their lives. They don't want to be controlled to that extent. But secondly, the purpose of our correctional system is for re-educating people. Because trying to... You, to the, the, the prison system pre-94 was a violent prison system. It was a brutal system. But it never brought down levels of crime. Mm. In fact, even countries that their prison systems, if you, you, you look at your Brazil, your Colombia, you look at the conditions in their prisons, their conditions in those facilities are bad. But 
the situation, despite the fact that the conditions in those prisons are bad, you you still have high levels of crime in those countries. So, in fact, what you what 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 you would see is when you if you go to most of our maximum correctional facilities, where we keep most of your long-term offenders serving life sentences and so on. Most of them get surprised when they arrive there because they would think that when they go to prison, they will be treated as animals. But we are trying to show them the other side. That's why if one time when you have time, I'll take you through one of the programs that we do that we call the Victim Offender Dialogue, where after we have taken an offender to the detention process, we request them to approach their victim apologize to them, explain what really happened so that the victim can find some closure. And when you look at those programs and what we do there, you will then realize that it, 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 it works wonders. I have no doubt that the programs uh, that, that are implemented uh, in our prisons uh, do serve uh, a certain population. But the people that I'm talking about are people who are, are in and out of prison, people that I've been speaking to uh, over the past five years who um, come out of prison and then they go back in. They go in and they go out and they are doing pretty much the same things within prison and I mean let's let's not kid ourselves we know about num- the number gangs particularly in Cape Town uh, we know that as, uh, that there is a, an extraordinary level of, of crime uh, going on inside our prisons I'm interested to know what's what's being done to tackle that there is a whole system within the prison uh, within our prisons in South Africa uh, that is that is replicating what's going on on the street just because people don't have their liberty and their freedom uh, and uh, and to be able to go in and out of their houses as they like. We can't deny that there is an entire system in prison uh, with with the corroboration unfortunately of prison staff at times uh, in which which crime continues to fester. Yes, I agree. Look, one of our major challenges in our correctional system currently, in fact, is twofold. It's overcrowding which results in problems with gangsterism and us managing it because in an overcrowded environment, it becomes difficult to manage uh, the big numbers and know what each offender is doing. In fact, I often say to offenders when I address them that you have two types of an offender. An offender who comes in, who turns his life around, who participates in programs, and you have those offenders who would choose to stay in a cell for 23 hours, go out for one hour exercise, and from there spend more time doing negative things like participating in gangsterism. So obviously through our social workers, our psychologists, and other programs that we do, we are trying to look at interventions for those types of offenders. Um, but as I was saying, that our major challenge currently is that most of our programs are geared towards offenders who are serving 24 months and more. Like all offenders who are serving more than 24 months, what we do, and immediately when they arrive in our system, we take, we, we do what we call a correctional, we do an assessment which must lead us to a correctional sentence plan. Now, their correctional sentence plan would then tell us what crimes have they committed, 
what skills level do they have and what interventions, if any, that is required for them. So based on that, we then design a program tailor-made for that offender. But for offender, but again, participation in some of those programs, it, it depends on whether a person wants to change or not. There are those who will go to the programs. There are those who will just go and sit and not benefit from it. Mm-hmm. I, I often say others, within the first two, three years, he doesn't want to participate in programs. It doesn't change. He just goes with the flow. But as he sees others changing, then they start participating in programs. For instance, if you take the Western Cape, we have uh, four big farms from prisons, uh, Fuerberg, uh, Drakenstein and Pal, mm. Brunsley and Overbank. And most of those four big farms are from the Cape Flats. Most of them have never worked in a farm. But if you go there today and you look at our agricultural produce, you look at uh, our dairy farm, our pig array, our sheep, sheep, cows, everything, you'll find these offenders who come from the Cape Flats participating in those programs, doing positive work. But obviously, as I see, there are those who in their cells participating in gang activities and all of those things. So those ones we keep aside. We don't mix them with the ones who are participating positively in, in, in programs. Mr. Klaus, do you think it's as simple as saying, well, let's just uh, up the percentage of our budget uh, that we spend for inmate social reintegration, or does it go deeper than that? Look, for me, at the end, society must be a much more critical role because you must understand that uh, crime in our society or, or whatever happens in our society impacts on what happens in the prison system and what happens in our facilities it then also impacts in the community. Currently, for instance, if you take the Western Cape, particularly the Cape Flats, we, we live in a highly violent society. Our kids are socialized uh, in a violent thing. Like if you take a township like Nyanga, where the murder rate is, is quite high, where at least per day one person is killed. Kids who grew up in Nyanga grew up thinking that it is normal to do certain things which results in, uh, in, in in them behaving in a very violent way. So one of the first things that we need to do when they arrive in our system is to try and change that mentality so that they must stop um, behaving in, in a violent way. But then the second thing that you do, when you reintegrate these people back to society, Society is still a violent society where they grew up. So some of them, you must try now to make them go back but not participate in, in, in those. And some of the things are not easy because if you take somebody from Nyanga, you take him back to Nyanga. Or somebody from Manimbek who lived in a gang-infested area, you take him through your rehabilitation program. When you take him back into that community, if there is no proper support system, 
that person goes back to that cycle of violence. That's why we are trying to focus more on skilling them so that you can then try to put them in programs that would take them out of that community. One of the programs that we have started doing now is what we call the halfway houses, where we take them as part of reintegration to a halfway house because we believe that they need a support system, but the support system they require is far from that environment where they live. So through halfway houses, you train them, you reintegrate them, you let them get a job, and when they start working, they must try to find accommodation away from that community that would take them back into that cycle of violence and crime. We're going to have to end it there, um, but uh, Dilekile Klaas, Western Cape Regional Commissioner for the Department of Correctional Services, thanks so much for joining us. Okay, thanks a lot, ma'am. You're welcome, and thanks to the listeners. Now, uh, of course, we can't talk about the reform of the prison system uh, and reoffending rates without speaking to someone who's been personally affected by it. Glenn Hans used to be a gang member in Cape Town, uh, but has since reformed his life after spending time in prison and now works to make sure that the streets of communities he once committed crimes in get cleaned up. He's currently a community officer at the Hanover Park Ceasefire Project, and he joins me on the line now in this, the second part of tonight's fringe to talk about how being in prison changed his life. Glenn, welcome to the show and thanks so much for joining us. Um, uh, it's a privilege to be on the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, Can you just talk briefly about what it was that took you to prison in the first place? Um, I was kind of, I was part of a gang um, and so forth. I have done the, the, the stuff that a gang member should, should do. And that led me to 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 um, get get sentenced almost to 15 years in prison. Um, but I I got the fine and I also got a, a three years um, probation. Um, so I I paid the fine, the five thousand rand, and they they, they 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 gave me opportunity back in in society for three years. Um, and that is the moment that I I really realized that I should make a, a quality decision um, with my life. Um, it's rather I'm going to mess up again or I'm going to take this opportunity into my life around. So that that um, sentence turned uh, was my turning point. Can you talk about some of the factors that were involved in that decision being made? Because uh, we know, of course, that for, for many people, once going into prison, it can become um, just a state of perpetuity where it's a case of going in, going out, going in, going out. So that almost prison almost becomes um, a, a second home for many people. Yeah, most definitely. Most most definitely. Um, today, as I was doing my work in my community, um, I, I didn't meet one of the Irish guys, and he told me he's going to give a huge party because it's the first time since 2009 that he was out for a year. And and the only thing that he could tell me is that the reason why I'm still he's still outside is that he is like a turning a turning point in his life. Also, make a quality decision is not to do the Irish activities on the street. So it's all a matter of making the right choice. Um, and also finding you the right people to guide you on this on this route so that you can can continue on this right on this right path. 
there's uh, the, the overriding question that that's led us to this conversation this evening, and it's a very broad topic, but is um, essentially does prison work? Does prison work in in your experience? You know, um, for 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 in the for every individual is different. You know, some people it works, some people it won't work. But for me, if people if people can have the opportunity just to be just to be a how can I say just to be rebuilt again, I believe um, they will. Some people will, and some people and some guys they hire guys they don't want to change. You know, so if you rather you you. You'll be common. Um, you, you'll be um, born in in gangsterism. It's just going to be extremely hard for you to change. Or if it means that you are, you make a decision to be a gangster. For that person, you make a decision. It's not going to be so hard to change. But a, a person that is born in gangsterism, the family members is all gangsters. For that type of people, it's going to be difficult to change. Yeah, but that's just, basically, yeah, that's sure. basically my, my knowledge. Sure, sure. Uh, when it comes to reoffending rates, and that's something that we spoke just a minute ago to uh, Delekile Klaas, the uh, Western Cape Regional Commissioner for the Department of Correctional Services, uh, about and, and talking about reoffending rates uh, and uh, and how high they are. And there's no official figures, unfortunately, so we're not able to gauge um, on a to a to a to a um, an explicit degree to an accurate degree. However, um, as I said before, it doesn't take a great deal of investigation uh, to find out that very often the same people coming before the courts, the same people doing yeah. that long trip from uh, from the courts in Cape Town to Polesmore, um, very often you're seeing the same faces year in, year out, month in, month out. Um, so w- when we look at the, those uh, reoffending rates, what factors do you think, or in your experience, are leading to those reoffending rates? Is it that there's not enough um, sort of uh, rehabilitation programs within prison? Is it that the problem lies once people come outside of prison and the uh, one really has to have a, a, a sense of self-determination not to go back? What do you think? Mm-hmm. All right. So as, I, as, as, as you know, I'm, I'm working for, 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 for Ceasefire. So Ceasefire is a program um, working with the highest individuals outside of prison. So we zoom on them and we um, we try to we, we we I babysit them. So I'm 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 an outreach worker. So what I do I I zoom on I zoom in on the shooter that the guy is actually shooting that. So I build a relationship on with him and I basically babysit him. So there's a risk reduction form that we fill in and I ask him um, what do you expect from this program? And then they would tell me, okay, Glenn, I don't have an ID. Um, I, I would like to have a work and I, I I will do the best of my ability to make his dreams come true, you know. And it all depends on this individual if he really wants to make the change or or not. But I will give my I will do my ultimate best to make his dreams come true. Yes, unfortunately people did die and unfortunately yes we have great success. Um so my 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 suggestion is that Programs like like ceasefire and programs that's also happening in the community should be more empowered. And, and funding is, is a real is is something that is a real struggle for for, for programs like this. But I would say it is more is the more programs coming outside of prison. I believe the streets will be a different world. 
I, I want to talk to you as the sort of the man on the ground, as it were. When you're dealing with uh, with these guys face to face, talk to me a little bit about what you're seeing from a, from a psychological perspective with these young men, because so often it's very easy to lump uh, offenders into this uh, bad category. They are bad yes. people uh, yes. who do bad things. That's not an yes. argument that I necessarily subscribe to. Doing bad things, yes, but I'm not always convinced that people uh, the people that are doing them are necessarily uh, bad people excuse me so 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 on the, on that basis because, because somewhere somewhere in in there uh, is a human being uh, who has ex- who has a life experience and who has their own challenges uh, and their own their own emotions although it may not feel like that i guess for for victims of, of crime um you are still dealing with with individuals who uh, particularly if we're talking about the cape flats have to deal with uh, some very challenging uh, some very challenging struggles um, um, in in their lives. So, what what sense are you getting from these young men? Are these young men with uh, cripplingly low self esteem, low worth, low value of themselves? Um, not most. No, I wouldn't say that. That is the correct um, um, summary. Okay. Um, I would say basically um, what what I've seen physically on on the ground is basically some guys. Um, they 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 are, they are born like in in into gang. In, in this gang um, facility and in this gang environment. And others just made the choice of being part of a gang. Um, reason being, maybe there's no dad or there's no real good role model out there, you know. And 90% of, 99% um, young people do want to change and do really want to, want, want to live out a dream. Um, if people make the quality decision of making a change, being part of the gang and want to come out of the gang, there's, there's not many ways when they, where, where, where their life can take direction into. One way is, is either you become a dad for your, for, for your child and you become married. Other way is basically that you, you, you move in the faith-based area. So for me, for instance, I move in the faith-based area. So the gang did respect me for that, you know, and I'm still do I'm still on the road for the last twelve years. So I become a dad and I'm looking after my family and I'm still believing in, 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 in my faith. So that is basically also a, a good uh, that's also a good example um of of, of, of the young men who have identity a crisis. It's basically they're not believing in the higher power, some of them some of them do believe in higher power, but at the end of the day it's just it's ultimate hang on it's it ultimate ease that they have to make the right decision at the right time. How much do drugs play a part in uh, in reoffending or, or, or in offending full stop? Well, you know, the prison are full of people of, of, of going to, to Portsmouth just for, 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 for two, two um, how can I say, taha and, you know, all the small stuff. There's about 41,000 people waiting for trial. Um, and what is that for? Maybe just, you know, um, the, the Portsmouth is full of, 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 of people waiting on trial, you know. But at the end of the day, there's serious cases also out there and serious high-risk guys also on the road the end of the day is this the system is the system but we need to find a way to work things around uh, work things out so that everything can work out free so for instance I buy myself for example if, 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 a, if, a, if a high risk guy buy himself a taha 
on the road, just one stop, is like not tendering, not yet tendering, and, 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 the, and, and the court team, they will be sending their guys to prison, mm. you know, and that's also where, where, where things can go wrong for, for that individual. Um, some, you know, unlucky, um, some bad stuff happening to them, come out and they're more angry. When something else can be in the in system for them and just, re, and just put them in, in a system where they can go to programs and stuff like that. So, yeah. But um, I need to say, um, on the schools now, the schools is stepping in to, to, to the programs that is available in the local community if there is a substance abuse um, problem. Mm. And, 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 and that is something good, you know, because we, we don't need to send our kids to prison um, using substance where there is places that they can go in their local communities for help and, 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 and make a quality decision for their future. Yeah, I agree. Just tell me, Glenn, where does the funding come for for the ceasefire project? Excuse me? Where do, what where did where does the funding come from uh, for the ceasefire oh, project? Yes, no, no. We 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 were basically we were basically um, doing a, a, a service for for the, for the city of Cape Town. Um, at this moment, we we're not up and running, but yeah, but we we, we basically we, the work can't stop because of the funding. So we're still trying to 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 to, to stop the violence at the end. You know, but unfortunately, um, there's no funding. But we we're still doing our ultimate best. Incredible work, Glenn. I really, really appreciate you joining us on the show today.